Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Resiliency and Running podcast. My name is Liz, and I'll be your host just sharing on different topics that I am passionate about, as well as experiences that may help you learn something too. And so today's topic is going to be one that's kind of stemmed from an idea from a previous episode that I did on running from trauma. So I did post about this on my Instagram story on the Resiliency and Running podcast Instagram, just kind of expressing a lot of gratitude because that was a really well-received episode and just hearing about a lot of your stories and just your personal battles with it was really, really touching and so motivational for me as well. One big part of that episode that people really enjoyed was that third segment where I kind of talked about how you can approach and help a friend that's just told you that they have a sexual assault that they've experienced. Since then, I've had a couple, well, I've had two um, different people kind of approach me about that same idea but addressing it with an eating disorder and I think this was kind of stemming from the episode that I had released called Running From Food. So I had shared about my eating disorder and kind of what that experience was for me and now that I think of it, I think that would be a really great thing to share about just how you can talk to a loved one or a friend about their eating concerns. I think while eating disorders are like so, so common, among so many women and men. It's also just a really, really hard topic to talk about, especially with the person that is going through the eating disorder, whether they've come to kind of acknowledge it or not. So I wanted to tackle this topic by first sharing on what my experience was like, having a friend confront me about it and just like what those feelings were in the moment and then how I feel now about it. And then I want to share on some research that I found and kind of just base it off of the knowledge of someone that's had an eating disorder previously and just really try and imagine what these different approaches would have felt like had I been in my 16-year-old anorexic body. So before I jump into this, I did just want to put out a trigger warning for anyone that's had an eating disorder in the past as well as anyone that's currently experiencing them. I won't be talking about specific details or numbers around my personal eating disorder, but these just might be some trigger topics and words that are said, so I did just want to put that out there before before I got started. I also want to add that while I am passionate about health and healthcare, I am by no means a doctor, nutritionist, or therapist in any way. This is just what worked for me and just kind of what I'd like to share. So in order to set the scene, we'll need to rewind about eight years. Um, I was a sophomore in high school in California. My best best friend at the time, her name was Sinclair, and I really, really valued our friendship, and she was kind of the person that I really confided in about like literally everything and she also is someone that I spent quite a lot of time with even though we actually went to different high schools. We met playing soccer on the same team and over time both of our families just grew quite close. We were so close that we actually tried to make our own YouTube channel where I would play the guitar and she would sing. Um, she might be killing me right now for sharing this but just so you know all of our video well most of our videos are private on YouTube but I think you can still find our cover for Justin Bieber's song called Pray. <laughs> Anyways, 
we were close. And so in all the time that we were spending together, I think it was really hard for her to watch me lose all of this weight and kind of just really obsess about food and exercise. And I think she was like the only person that I really trusted to confide in about this stuff. I can't imagine like sitting here now what that must have been like for her. And I think like just trying to switch our roles and put myself in her shoes, I think I would have been so concerned, but at the same time, I would have struggled with wanting to support my friend, but also listen to her concerns. I think as well, we were just quite young at the time. We were only around 15 or 16 years old. So I think just the amount of information that we had between the two of us was little to none around how you can detect an eating disorder, what to do when your friend has an eating disorder. I'd say it's definitely a scary thing to be experiencing for both parties, both the person that's in the eating disorder and the person that's kind of watching it happen. Because I think from the friend standpoint, you want to help so so bad because you only want the best for that person but you also don't want to be like coming off as if you're attacking them or coming off in a negative way. So what ended up happening and is something that she and I still laugh about to this day is that she actually ended up just texting me a link to an online quiz literally asking and testing about whether or not you had an eating disorder and she like told me um, recently that she had actually taken the quiz first just to like test it out herself and this was just I think the first thing that popped into her mind um, in terms of just how she could help but kind of do it from like a third-party perspective and I guess there was a part of me too that kind of already had an idea knowing that what I was doing to my body was unhealthy but I think I kind of just wanted to take the quiz anyways just to see what sort of a score I would get because Oddly enough, I think I wanted to prove to myself that I did indeed have an eating disorder, which sounds super, super weird, but like most mental health illnesses, it's really something that totally consumes you and is like the only thing that you think about. And so I think it's also hard as well just because you can grow quite lonely in that sort of a relationship with your mental health illness. And so I think a good part of me actually did want someone to notice and finally notice that this wasn't actually just a positive weight loss journey that I had put a lot of healthy time and effort into, but instead that it was something that I truly needed help with because it was such a serious illness. So to neither of our surprises, I ended up scoring very highly and very positively for having an eating disorder. And so I remember telling her my score, but I don't think she had said anything in reaction to that. But what I do remember is my mom furiously storming into my room moments after and what I had pieced together um, quite obviously after is that my friend had probably gone to tell her mom who then called my mom and there we were. I think that my mom had probably had somewhat of a hunch just because mothers tend to know these things. I think that this just really solidified everything because I remember her coming in and just like being very detailed about, you know, I knew it. I I know that you've only eaten like these things today and you've only like, you've barely eaten at all today. It was pretty intense to say the least. And that's just kind of where all of my recovery care kind of started. And you can only imagine just how upset and and angry and betrayed I had felt by my friend, but that was just, I think it's important to note that that was the disease talking and not like reality, essentially. And even then it wasn't like we went like 
X amount of years without talking because I was just so upset by her. Like, even after that happened, I think as I was going through the recovery process, I was learning more and more just how grateful I was for her. The way that I see it now, especially my anorexia took such a massive toll on my health, um, my personal health. I had a really low heartbeat. I was anemic. I lost my period for two years. There were like countless health problems that I was facing due to my starvation. And I would probably, I could be so much worse had she not stepped in. I think I had mentioned it in my last episode about my eating disorder, but my doctor had basically said, you know, one of the things that could happen is you may never be able to bear children. And there are people that face like lifelong medical problems because of their eating disorders. So to me, I am like eternally grateful to my friend Sinclair. And if she's listening, um, I love you and I will always cherish our friendship so much. So now I wanted to jump into some research that I found from the National Eating disorders.org website around how you can talk to your friend or loved one about their eating concerns. So the first recommendation is to learn as much as you can about eating disorders and I can definitely attest to this even after my eating disorder I would find my mom reading like different articles and books about eating disorders and she would still kind of ask me questions even when I was in recovery and even when I was recovered and I don't know if you guys have seen that movie that Lily Collins had come out with I think it was called To the Bone but it was a really, really great movie, but it was also very intensely accurate to how my eating disorder kind of played out. This is just also a great tip because there are so many myths out there about eating disorders, so if you know the facts, it'll definitely help you reason with your friend or loved one about any inaccurate ideas that may be fueling their disordered eating patterns. So this next bit will be if you're really truly wanting to commit to having that conversation with them. So it first and foremost just might be good for you to rehearse what you want to say just to help reduce anxiety and clarify exactly what you want to say. This next tip may be a bit obvious, but just to set a private time and place to talk and be honest is kind of your best bet in terms of how you want to go into this talk. This is a really, really, as I said before, tough topic to talk about, and so you don't want to feel like rushed if you're having this conversation in public, and you obviously want to be as honest as possible, and so it's also important that you don't come off as accusatory, and I know that that may sound really easy and obvious, but it's important that you don't use statements like focusing the blame on them and instead by using I statements so that you're focusing on behaviors that you have personally felt or observed. Like, I've noticed that you aren't eating dinner with us anymore or I'm worried about how often you're going to the gym. I know that especially in my recovery, It was really hard, I think, for my parents not to come off as accusatory and it's just really important to try your best to do so because it can really cause that person to feel defensive. And so instead, pointing out what you have seen, if you can, just point out behaviors that aren't related to eating or weight just might be easier for the person to see and accept. A good example that I can share in college, I had this friend who knew about my eating disorder. I was 
was actually pretty open about it publicly on social media so a lot of people knew about it and I think I just kind of went through these phases in college of being really into the gym and then just slacking at the gym and so when I was going to the gym a lot I think I would kind of lose a bit of weight and this friend would just kind of reach out here and there to say you know I know that you've been through this traumatic eating disorder stuff so I just want to check in and make sure that you're not reverting to those bad habits and it was just a really nice way of not attacking me but just kind of checking in to make sure that I was doing okay and kind of going off of what I've just said it's also really important to stick to the facts so obviously a conversation like this can bring up a lot of emotion but in the end it is really important to not let that kind of run the conversation and instead just again focus on the behaviors and changes that you have noticed that you're concerned about. So kind of going off of this as well, it's important to be caring towards that person, but also make sure that you're firm in what you're saying. So caring about your friend or loved one doesn't mean being manipulated by them. And so remember that your friend needs to be responsible for the actions and consequences of those actions. And so just avoid making any rules or promises or expectations that you cannot uphold. So for example, like if I were to ever tell my friend Sinclair, you know, I know that I have an eating disorder, but you cannot tell anyone, that's just not fair to her at all, especially when she feels the way that she did in terms of just being extremely worried. And on the flip side of that, it is really important that you do not tell that person overly simplistic solutions like, oh, just stop or just eat. Like that's not helpful at all. And it actually can leave the person suffering from the eating disorder to feel even more frustrated or defensive or misunderstood. I know that this is such a tough topic for people to grasp and it can feel like, okay, well, if you're not eating, then just eat and everything will be fixed. But that's just not the case at all. And there are so many other underlying layers to the issue at hand. One thing that is really important to keep in mind and just to keep reminding to that person is to try and remove the potential stigma that they may feel there is around eating disorders. It is very easy for the person with the eating disorder to become very defensive and it's very likely that they'll become defensive. So I think think trying to soften the blow and I guess I don't really like the word blow but it's just a tough kind of conversation to have and so by reassuring them that there's no shame in admitting your struggle with an eating disorder or other mental health issues is really really important and quite crucial and I just want to reiterate and kind of end on this fact that you will most likely get a negative reaction from this conversation no one likes to be told that they have something or be blamed for something and even though those might not be your intentions, that is probably how that person will perceive it, or at least how I perceived it. But I think it's more important to recognize or just focus on the fact that you could be making a dramatic change for them, or at least planting that seed in their head. Even if you don't feel like the discussion was well-received or that you got through to that person, the fact is that you shared your concern and let them know that you cared for them and that you're there for them. And so by planting that seed in their head, they might kind of start to grow this idea that they may need to seek help and realize that the seed may not take root immediately, but over time, the concerns that's coming from friends and family can eventually help an individual move towards recovery. So I just wanted to end on some contact information in case you are feeling like you are in crisis. So there are different chat, call, and text numbers. I will leave them in the show notes, but they are also available on the nationaleatingdisorders.org website. So 
The number that you can call or text is 800-931-2237. For crisis situations, text capital N-E-D-A to 741741 and you'll be connected with a trained volunteer at the crisis text line. All right, everyone, that is going to wrap up another episode of the Resiliency and Running podcast. I really do hope you enjoyed it and really found it informational and educational. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach me on Instagram or Twitter. I am just at Liz Newcomer, and then the podcast has an Instagram. It's the at Resiliency and Running, and I hope that you really enjoyed the episode, and I look forward to seeing you in the next one. Bye!